Thank you for tuning in to Far Better, where we look to be pleasing to God in this life, so our eternity is far better. I'm your host, Michael Clark, and as you know, we've been studying the requirements for dwelling on God's hill. Who dwells on God's holy hill? And we've talked about two different episodes about those requirements and what we're expected to do. And now we come to the last part of this lesson on requirements or who gets to dwell on God's holy hill. And we get to the rewards for those who dwell on God's holy hill. There are always incentives for doing something right. That's not the only reason we should do them. We should want to do what's right simply because it's the right thing. If I find lost money, I don't pick it up and return it in hopes, and the only way I'll return it is if I believe I'll get a reward. I might get a reward for returning that money, but I should want to return the money simply because it's the right thing to do. And as a Christian, I want to do what's right, not just because there are some rewards that are involved in it, but because it's what's right. But I do have from God a great blessing and a great benefits package. And if you would go over to the book of Psalms and you look at chapter 1, Psalm 1, I'm going to give you two things that we have as a reward for dwelling on God's holy hill. And these are things that are so helpful and so beneficial and crucial to us as Christians. The first is that we shall never be moved. When you study Psalm 1 and you look at the context, you find this idea of a tree planted by the waters. And what's the significance of being a tree that's planted by the waters? You know, the roots are deep. And when a root is strong, you have a lot less likely of being uprooted. And as I look at chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, Blessed is that man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And what is he going to be able to do? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of the water that brings forth his fruit in season. His leaf will not go away. It won't wither. And whatever he does, he'll prosper. If you want to think about something that is a really good example of this, I want you to remember a movie that perhaps you've seen, perhaps you haven't. You ever seen the movie The Princess Bride? That has always been one of my favorite movies growing up. I've always loved that movie. It has been something that my family has watched time and time again. I continue to enjoy watching it when it comes on the television set. Wow, television set. That shows how old I'm trying to act right now. When it comes on the TV or where it, whether it comes through Netflix or something like that to modernize this, I always like watching that show. That is one of my favorite movies. But there is a scene in that movie where Andre the Giant is playing this henchman for one of the villains. And Wesley, our protagonist, goes on and he's trying to save Buttercup. He's trying to save his love. And on his way to save her, we know he first fights Inigo Montoya in a sword fight, and he bests him in a sword fight, and he goes on, and he's on his way, and then a rock is thrown and smashes near his head. And it's Andre the Giant who is now getting ready to fight him. And so Wesley goes up to Andre the Giant, and he hits Andre, and he doesn't even move. He stands firm. He tries a few different tactics, and finally he subdues him. 
But the idea that I get when I read this text, he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and will never be moved. That's the idea I get in my mind. That whatever Satan throws your way or throws my way, it won't matter. I won't be moved. I won't be moved. But notice now, not just that we're never going to be moved, but we're like this tree that's planted. I know if I live for God, I will be like that tree that's planted. I'll be like Andre the Giant. I won't ever be moved. And as we talked about a minute ago, a tree that has its roots planted deep in the earth is the one that is found closest to the water. Good luck moving that. Do you want to be that tree? I do. But I think sometimes it's so easy to think of our lives as the opposite of this. Well, I just wasn't planted close enough to the water, apparently. Because if you really looked at my life, Michael, you'd see that I struggle with my Christianity. And I have constant moments and days where things don't go the way I want them to go and all... Look, I do too. There are days when I wake up and I actually sit there and ask myself for a second, why am I doing this? Not, not ministry. I, I want to be a minister. Not, not just ministry, but I, I even ask myself sometimes, why serve Christ? I think that's a question that a lot of us ask ourselves from time to time. We look at some of the difficulties that we have in our lives, and we look at the things that are going on, and we sit there and wonder, is it actually worth it? I can show you the contrast. The contrast from not being like the tree that's planted in the water and not being like the one who dwells on God's holy hill. I can show you that contrast. It's found in Psalm 1. I want you to look at Psalm 1 and verse 4. We know the two rewards are that we'll never be moved, and we're like this tree that's planted by the water, and as a result, we will never be moved. But the ungodly aren't so. They're like wheat that the wind drives away. If you were to put a little thing of wheat into your hand, and you were to blow upon it, is there going to be any resistance from it? No, it's immediately going to blow away. They're like the wheat that the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. That's why we do this. That's why when I wake up in the morning and I have those moments where I wonder, is it really worth it? I have to remind myself of people like in Psalm 1, verses 4 through 6. The ungodly don't have... the ability to stand with the righteous. And the ungodly way is a way that perishes. But I'm told from the Lord and from His Word in multiple different places in Scripture that I actually can win. That I can dwell on God's holy hill. That I can plant my roots firm 
but how do we do that? If you're a single person, you're not married yet, you're in college, or you're just in a single portion of your life, the way that I would suggest that you plant your roots is you ground yourself in the faith. And you determine as best as you can that the people you surround yourself with are grounded in the faith. Perhaps we have people listening that are married, though. I'm married, and I understand that it's an important part of my family to ground my family in God, to plant the roots of my family in the Bible and in God. And I'm excited that in our summer season that we're going to have, we're going to have an episode that talks about far better than a godless life. And we're going to talk about this mentality of life is so much better when God is a part of my family's life than when he is not. So I have to plant those roots for my wife, myself, my children. And if I don't, it's a lot easier to uproot them. Planting a tree doesn't happen overnight, the trees that you and I can see. You might plant that tree, and it takes so many years for it to finally become established. Suppose I wanted to come up to the tree that you just planted, and I were to give a great tug on that tiny tree as it's been just planted into the ground. Is it going to really resist? No. The roots aren't deep enough yet. We then need to make sure that when we send our children out or when we ourselves go out into this world and when we do anything that we can, we make sure that we have either done our job to plant the roots or that we ourselves have planted roots in our lives. Otherwise, we don't get the rewards and we don't dwell on God's holy hill. I want to dwell with God. I have been privileged to meet athletes and musicians, and I've enjoyed each time that I've met them. It's been an interesting experience. And if I'm being honest, even a little starstruck at times. But to sit with God? To sit with the one who sent his only son to die for me because he thought that I had value and that you had value? To sit in his presence? I can't think of anything better. And I've been privileged to meet my favorite musicians, my favorite athlete. I've been able to do all of that stuff, and yet none of those people, as awesome as they are in their own right and field, none of them are God. And I get to dwell with God if I live a faithful life? That's incredible. Why wouldn't I want to do that? Why wouldn't you want to do that? 
We'll stand outside for hours waiting to purchase tickets to something, or we will go to a movie theater an hour early for a premiere of a movie that we know is going to be very popular, so you better go and get seats. And we'll do all of these things to showcase our love, to showcase our love to these items, to showcase our love to these people. I'll pre-order my music. I'll pre-order these books and things of this nature that I want to read and that I want to have. But God gets the scraps? Why? God should be first, right? God should be one that I look at and say, I'm going to make my life and plant my life in your word so deeply that when the devil comes and he tries to take me away from you, I won't be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the water, I shall not be moved. If I can stand and listen to my favorite musician in a crowd, in the pouring rain, and I've done that. If I can do that, I can take the time to meet the requirements to dwell on God's holy hill. I can be someone who says about their life, my value and my true worth is found not in some song, not in some movie or book or hobby, but it's found in God. And if I then dedicate my life to God, the rewards of dwelling on God's holy hill are absolutely given to me. And the greatest reward of all that I can be given is heaven. Why wouldn't we want that? I can only think of one reason. And that's us being short-sighted not truly realizing what we're giving up. When I was a little boy, I was into Pokemon. I don't collect the cards anymore or anything like that. I still enjoy looking at the Pokemon and watching some of the things, and perhaps my son will be interested in them, but I I was interested in Pokemon. My brother and I, we had some cards, and I had a card that at the time was worth some money, around $150, $100 or so. And I traded it, not knowing what I had, for a card that was worth next to nothing. That was a bad trade. And even to this day, though I don't even collect the cards anymore, I still look back at that and think, what was I thinking? That was stupid. That was foolish. I can't I can't take this part of my life back on judgment day. I won't get a do-over. And I don't want to spend eternity thinking I lived my life foolishly. I want to be rewarded for what I've done. And in the book of Matthew, I'm told that Jesus will tell his servants, "Well done." Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful to me. And I'll make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your reward. That is waiting for you and for me. 
if we follow him. I want to thank you for tuning in this week, and hopefully you'll tune back in next week as we discuss evangelism and looking at how we can be better examples of evangelists from the first century and imitating the examples that we have in Scripture. But until then, I hope we all please God now so our eternity is far better.